Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Okay, if we're going to recreate this old pic of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits right. Well, for some reason, I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. I just use the S Pen to circle the outfit in the post, and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up! How did you... You shut it. Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. (laughs) (laughs) Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. And here I am with Sophia Goals. Hello, and how are you today? Hi, really well. And it's great that you were able to join. We have a technical glitch, which we've solved. Um, so welcome. Welcome to the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. I'm Mel Rosenberg, and I'm fortunate to be the host of the show. And I have incredible you as my guest today. So, Sophia Gold, welcome. Um, thank you, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Do you have your recent books handy? Um, I have them behind me. Yes, okay, do I wanna, do. Do you want to grab the most recent ones? I will. Let me just untangle myself here. So sorry about that. Here we are. Well done. <laughs> so so um, I have here A History of Toilet Paper and Other Potty Tools and Bug on the Rug. Okay, and uh, one is uh, nonfiction and one is fiction. Correct, and, um, yes. And um, you said something that I found to be very interesting, that you you write for the story. Correct, yes. So, so tell us the story briefly of each of them, and then you'll tell us your life story. <laughs> well, that's, start, that's start loaded. With, start, with well, the to- start with the toilet humor. Start with the toilet paper. Um, so A History of Toilet Paper and Other Potty Tools um, is a nonfiction, and it's the historical account of toilet paper, but it's a little bit beyond that. Um, it's sort of a historical account of human hygiene and, um, and development and societal changes over thousands of years. Uh, it started, it was kind of inspired by the pandemic. So go figure. There was a run on toilet paper, um, as we can all remember and attest to, I'm sure. And I walked into a store one day um, to get some toilet paper and all the shelves were empty. And I turned around, but there were like tissues and other things there. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, you know, what? there's other things we can use. What did people do before toilet paper? And, um, and I just, it was like sort of an off the cuff thought. And then it just sort of kept with me. Um, and then I started looking it up. I was like, what did people use before toilet paper? <laughs> now I'm curious. And the more that I read, 
um, the, the wackier and more hilarious and bizarre it was. And I just remember thinking, this is amazing. People are such a strange and odd bunch, but also very innovative um, species. And, and, and I just kind of developed into this idea that I couldn't stop thinking about. So well, we, we've been wiping for a long time, as you know, the new book. <laughs> for a long time with all sorts of things. <laughs> Hundreds of but, thousands um, of years. For thousands of years, but it's, it was interesting. It was so much fun to write. It was, um, very fun to write. It was the first of my books that came out that was humor based, um, still nonfiction, still lots of fun, but you know, it's funny because I, I originally came to writing thinking I would write, um, you know, YA fantasy, epic fantasy novels, because it's what I love to read. And uh, I didn't realize when I started writing that you kind of find your own voice and your own style. And, you know, it took me a long time to figure I, that I, out. What, what I like about this book is the toxic style and the, um, you know, your, your, your humor, your down to earth humor. Uh, can, can you just show the, uh, the viewing community here mm -hmm. a couple of spreads and maybe a couple of spreads? That's actually good for your book. A couple, of, a couple of spreads here. Absolutely. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was really excited that this was for my first, um, my first bout in humor, um, but I've been writing humor for, for a while. Um, as you should, you, you're very Can funny. you see, can mm -hmm. you see things all right? Yeah. Um, and I think that Shiana Timoy, the illustrator did an absolutely fabulous job. Uh, and we, so we started, we start at the, right at the beginning and it's sort of a timeline through human, um, development. And then, you know, as, as humans and society evolves, so does, uh, you know, technology sort of along with it. You, you, you wrote somewhere that we used rocks. Hundreds of thousands of years ago. People used everything. I mean, anything. That, 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 but that has to be conjecture. We don't have fossils of the human species on rocks, <laughs> do we? I mean, the thing is, is there were accounts in, you know, ancient Rome of people using seashells, breaking, you know, ceramic potties, and then, and then writing their enemy's name on them and using that. So, I mean, yes, people used everything that was handy. People use, and then, and you have to remind yourself that, you know, way back when, and even now in some areas, wiping with something like cloth or paper was expensive and, and saved very much. It was as well a luxury. So, um, so people had to get, yeah, they had to get, they had to get creative with it, <laughs> but it's really cool. And it's just cool sort of to, to take the idea of toilet paper, which seems like something so simple. And this is sort of what I loved most about this book and this concept is that it, it, it was a worldwide effort. You know, it was, it was something that sort of sparked over here and came over here and then developed over here. And then this country had their own planet this, and then eventually it became what it is now. Um, so it was sort of this, you know, global effort to, to get to where we are, um, which is toilet paper. And, and I just, yeah, it's great. It's an awesome global team effort. It's an account of um, innovation and, and I just, I love it. I'm very excited that it's out in the world now. And I'm sure, I'm sure kids love it too. Uh, one of the funny things, you know, you talked about running to the uh, running to the store. Uh, when you have the runs, you need the toilet paper. And um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ironies is that this book is published by Running Press Kids. <laughs> I never put that together. It is true. I wonder very, whether they very did. appropriate. Exactly. So um, let's uh, segue now back to uh, to your childhood. 
Um, and uh, you have a very interesting name, Sophia Goals. Tell us about yep. your background. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I am actually, I have, it's all, all family names. Uh, I was named after my great grandmother whose birthday I happened to be born on and my mom did not know it at the time. Um, so sort of, sort of serendipitous. That's where the Sophia comes from. And then, um, heritage wise, we're Finn and German. So, uh, we believe at one point in time it was probably Vandergoltz. Uh, but, uh, upon immigration, you know, things get lost in translation. And so now we're just the Golzes. Um, but both my grandmother was a full-blooded German and my grandfather on my mother's side. And then my grandmother on my father's side was, was full Finn. So very Scandinavian. Yeah. That's really interesting. And where did you grow up? And I grew up in Florida. So far, far away from <laughs> either of those places. I grew up in the heat of North Central Florida in the swamplands. Uh, grew up playing in the, the pine forests and the oak trees and riding horses out of the farm. Um, pretty, pretty laid back. Uh, my father was a professor at the University of Florida. So, oh, what did he teach? Uh, he was in the forestry department. He was a forest ecologist and conservationist. And he was for a long time a, um, a professor and also a working scientist. And then he eventually went to DC and he worked for the National Science Foundation. And that's where sort of my love of um, nature and being outside, you know, came from, came from my parents and was something that was instilled from the beginning. Um, that's my first book, The the Boy Who Grew a Forest. That was sort of a topic that I was fairly, you know, connected. That, that, that book it did very well. It received awards. It was translated into other languages. Chapeau for that. Um, and you. Uh, and you, you talked about YA, young adults, uh, yes. and you write for um, amusing books for five <laughs> and six-year-olds. So... You know what my theory is. That we I would there. like to think that they're not just for five and six-year-olds. They can be mm -hmm. for anybody. <laughs> yes, but look, I write picture books too. Um, <laughs> the, the question is whether uh, you write for your young Sophia, mm. whether somehow, whether or not you wanted to write young adults or whatever, the fact that you're writing picture books, for me, says that you are connecting with your five or six year old self. I could be wrong. You can comment on that. No, I, you know, I, I just absolutely. So a sweet spot in my childhood, um, you know, before the realities of life sort of took hold is I just remember, you know, piling in my parents' family bed with both of my brothers. I was the middle child. And, you know, this is pre-internet obviously and, and everything else. And we would read. And those are just some of my favorite memories. Uh, I had an aunt, my aunt Mary, who used to send my mom all the Caldecott winter books. And um, and then my dad would read us things like, you know, Macbeth and, you know, other things. But, but it was just this magical time, you know, that and then going to the weekly story time at the local library, the public library was always, they had a big fish pond and they, the librarians were always so much fun. And I just, yeah, yeah. Um, those, those memories called to me and they made such a huge impact on me. They launched me to love books and writing for the rest of my life. And, and by my teenage years, 
that was a saving grace for me. My books were my escape and my best friends in many dark times in my life. So I, 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 if I can ever trigger that in any other child out there, like that, that is why I write, but yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yes. My inner voice is seven (laughs) and I will probably forever be. (laughs) That's just how it is. It's not a bad um, I started thing. Writing it's not a older. bad thing as far as I'm concerned. No, not at all. I started writing older and then it just felt, you know, forced. And I just kept skewing younger and younger and younger until finally I was like, aha, this is this is where I'm meant to be. And you're in a good place. So uh, what did you study at college? You know, I studied photography. Um yeah, I do have a business degree. So I did eventually go back and, and go back to school and, and do business. But I went to art school. I left Florida in uh, my late teens, moved out to California. I sort of spent a couple of years, you know, waitressing at uh, Moon Shadows. Shout out to Moon Shadows on the PCH. <laughs> Trying to figure life out. Um, and then I eventually went to Brooks. Uh, it was a Institute of Photography up in Santa Barbara. They have since, I believe, closed their doors, but it was a pretty pinnacle change for me when I decided to embrace storytelling, even though at that time I was telling stories through, you know, visuals. Um, And from there, I jumped to Manhattan and moved to New York and then pursued a a career in the photography industry and did that Ah, for many years. So you were a photographer, professional photographer. I was not actually. I ended up on the business side of photography, thus the business degree. So mm-hmm. I, re- I, you know, I had this. I was torn. I really liked the art and being able to express myself artistically, but I didn't want other people to tell me how to express myself artistically. I like to also call the shots and be in charge. <laughs> So I realized, and I realized for me, you know, being mm-hmm. on the back end and being, you know, on the business side was where I wanted to be. I also, um, I just, I, I, I love being visual, um, but it wasn't how I wanted to tell stories. I, I wanted to write. I always wanted to write. And I just never had the guts to, to fully pursue it. I thought I was terrible. Was this um, something that happened abruptly? Uh, because you've written that you wrote as a child nonstop. Uh, I did, then, actually. Then you, I have... pursued, you pursued a career in photography and, and business. Did you have yes. like an epiphany one day? Oh, I should be writing children's books. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I did. In fact, when I do school visits, I show them some of the first books. I used to, that, that's how I spent my free time or, or making books. Um, you know, I... I started taking online classes while I was working in New York, um, working still in the photo industry. And then I started at night taking online writing classes. Um, I sort of got to this point where I realized that it was either going to be now or never. At least that's what I told myself that, you know, I, I needed to do it, that I can just talk about it and think about it and wish for it anymore that I was going to have to make a change and there was nobody else or nothing else that could do that. There was nobody who was going to, you know, see me walking down the street and be like, you know what? You should be a writer. Like that was not how, none of that was going to happen. I, I needed to be a writer and I needed to do that for myself. But, but how did you know most, most writers, myself included, mm-hmm. um, didn't know that there's a way to become a children's writer. 
I didn't just, know. But you said you took courses. So I did. I known. took writing courses. Yes. No, I took writing courses um, for just general fiction writing. I didn't know um, because, again, at that time, I thought I was going to be writing stories for older readers. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started doing. And it was a, a, a couple of years later. Uh, what happened was, is my husband and I decided to expand a family. And upon doing so, we decided to leave New York. And I, I, there was no way I could do, you know, a family in the city. So we moved back to Florida. We were fortunate at that time to be able to, um, to, he traveled for work and I could work remotely by then. So we moved back to Florida where my parents were, or my mom was based. And um, I had my first baby and I was um, a breastfeeding mom. And I went to a little H.A. League meeting. So you asked, I am divulging. And um, there happened to be another author there, Karina Vaco. You guys can Google her, look her up. She still writes. She's brilliant. I absolutely adore her. And at that time, um, I had started blogging for a company called Mountain Buggy. So I guess I would have been what is now considered an influencer. At that time, we just wrote blogs and took pictures of our babies. So they would send me a stroller. I would take pictures. I was writing blogs. So I, to me, was considering myself, okay, I'm starting to write. I'm starting to get it out there. I went to one of these Leche League meetings, happened to strike up a conversation with Karina. She had an infant the same age as my infant. I did not know she was a writer. We organized a, a baby play date. We went out one day and we were talking about what we like to do. And I was like, oh, I'm a writer. And she's like, so am I. And as we're sitting there, Karina gets an email from an agent, a literary agent. And I, she's like, oh, hold on. Uh, it's my agent. We're talking around submission. And like my mind just sort of went, there's what? And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait. I'll just wait till you're done. And then she, she got off the phone and she came back and I was like, what is a literary agent? What do you mean you're on submission? What is, what is this? And Karina was just a ray of sunshine and she was so kind. She told me about the SCBWI, the Society of Book Writers and Illustrators. She told me about uh, all the, all the things. And I was like, a hungry sponge. I did not know that there were organizations that you could join. I did not know that there were other people like me out there. I did not know anything. And I realized in that moment how little I knew. <laughs> okay. And and I went home, I think that day and, you know, got onto the SCBWI's website and joined um, I started looking at, um, critique groups. I didn't even have anything to critique. I, you know, I, I think at that point in time, I reached out to the critique group and then I was like, Oh, I can't yet. I'm not, I don't know. And then, and then it just sort of slowly began to develop from there. And that is how I learned that there are organizations to help that you're not alone, that you don't have to write in a vacuum, that there are people like Karina who are willing to to give you information. I didn't know that you could talk to another, that there were writers, they're, they're among us. I had no idea. <laughs> so at that point in time, the light bulb went off. Um, funny story, you know, it's been 13 years, Karina and I are still friends and she's still a brilliant, brilliant writer. So yeah. Uh, ask her whether she wants to be on the show. We'll be happy I to, will. Have, <laughs> to have her and, and to corroborate this in incredible story. <laughs> I will. I will. So, so yeah, if you hadn't so had oh, been, had been breastfeeding moms, none of this might have happened. 
Who knew? Serendipity, man. Serendipity. I'm, I'm right. a firm believer that the energy you put out there will come back. I'm sure, you know, people will roll their eyes at that, but you know, you can't, no doors will open unless you put it yourself out there to open them. You know, if absolutely, I hadn't, absolutely. if I hadn't said at that moment, oh yeah, you know what? I'm a writer. Maybe that conversation never would have struck up. Who knows? Incredible. Um, so, but the, the other incredible thing is that um, you took the medicine. In other words, you said, oh, there is a, a path here. There's a journey. Um, in, in order to, to, to go on this journey, you have to realize that you're starting somewhere at the beginning. You know, I actually owe a lot of that to photography. I didn't think I could um, move to LA and I did. I didn't, there were many nights when I would be crying myself to sleep that I didn't think I would last. And I did. I didn't think I could ever work in the photo industry. And the next thing I knew I was working with celebrities and, you know, producing huge shoots. Um, I remember when I moved to New York, I had never done a winter, you know, having been a Florida kid and then going to California the first time it, I think that winter also I moved in like January and that winter it was like 11 degrees every day and I remember thinking oh it's it's I didn't have a pair of boots so I was like it's wet outside because the snow's wet so I went and I bought like a pair of rubber rain boots and I almost had frostbite <laughs> by the end okay of the one, day. one second some of our some of our uh, viewers and listeners when you said 11 degrees you mean Fahrenheit Yes, Fahrenheit. Um, yes. You had me for a moment because we do something great. No, that's okay. So 11, 11 uh, Fahrenheit is like minus a zillion in centigrade. It's so like very below cold freezing. is what it was. And, and cold, New York, cold you enough have the that wind. you need more than rubber, thin rubber boots. Um, you know, I, and I, I didn't have any, you know, we didn't have money. I, I didn't have air conditioning. And once, once it became summer, I didn't know you're supposed to get window units for your AC. I used to go into work early at like five o'clock in the morning, just so I could sit for an hour before my shift started to so, like. So, so you, 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 you're, um, you learned how to persevere. I learned how to persevere, but I also learned that things can be done when people tell you they can't. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like it's impossible, mm -hmm. um, that's that isn't always the case. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off regular gum is boring but icebreakers ice cubes are different they're fancy icebreakers gum has flavor crystals which deliver a rush of cool refreshing flavor plus they are delightfully cube shaped making them soft and satisfying to chew icebreakers ice cubes gum Ooh, fancy pick up your favorite flavor today
Okay, you know? so but still, um, I interview <laughs> a lot of successful authors like yourself. I'm very lucky. Uh, and they are all one in a thousand or one in 5,000 uh, who got their book publishing deals with traditional publishers, as you did, and agents. Um, and um, it doesn't always happen. Uh, no. And, but um, how did it happen for you? Um, well, you know, yes, you have to persevere, but it takes, a, you, you, you can persevere as much as you want to, but if you're not putting in the, the grind, if you're not really giving, giving yourself some lessons and work, like, I mean, you have to realize that it's an industry like any other. It is a job. Yes, it takes creativity, but you also have to learn the industry. And I spent over a decade doing that before I was published. So while I may have had my first book come out and then the next one and the next one, there were many years. And two more on the way. And two more, yeah, quite a few on the way. There's, But there were many years before that of just daily grind. I look back on some of the rejection letters I got, um, the things that I was sending out at the time that I, I thought were stellar. And now I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, it, ta- it, it takes a lot of work. I mean, it really just takes a lot of work and you, you have to constantly be open to learning. Um, you can persevere as much as you want to, but if you aren't learning along the way and taking feedback and, and working on yourself and your, your creativity, then that hard work, you know, or the perseverance will be for naught. So it, you have to really work in, in more and, ways than just one. Okay. And how did the door open for you, Sophia? Uh, it was a, well, you know, joining um, my critique groups was fantastic. I highly recommend that to everybody. Um, and then I um, entered a contest. So I'm part of the Florida SCBWI and I submitted my my manuscript, my first book, The Boy Who Grew a Forest to their Rising Kite contest. And I think, uh, I want to say, I think I have it up here. Um, it placed third. Yes. So I placed third that year, um, which was shocking to me. I had never entered a writing contest. I didn't, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, and it, I, I was shocked and amazed. And then at the time there was another writing group um, that I entered their contest. They have since um, dissolved and um, that own organization and it won in that contest as well. So I knew at that point in time, I had something going and I decided to submit it out um, I had an agent fairly quickly and then we decided to send it out and, um, one second, you had an agent just by, um, writing to the slush pile, just by, by querying agents. Now I had been querying agents though, for, like I said, many years prior. Um, who, so who hasn't? it was, it was a very long process, but you With got this one. manuscript. I was able to say when I queried that this just won, you know, the third place in the Florida SCPWI contest, it just won first place in this contest, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I had a little bit more to work on at that point in time. Um, or I mean, a little more leverage and, um, and I, I did, I had, um, an agent respond fairly quickly, I would say within a couple of weeks. And then soon after that, we were querying editors and it was uh, a bit of a roller coaster. We had it, it, that that manuscript garnered quite a bit of interest. Um, and then the first offer came in from Sleeping Bear Press. 
And it was still on sub with uh, a couple different editors going to acquisitions here, going there. Um, and then what happened was um, my dad unexpectedly uh, died oh, in, a, in an accident. And oh, sorry. I, I thank you. Um, my agent at the time, unbeknownst to me, followed up with editors um, using my dad's obituary and saying, oh, we didn't realize that Sophia had such a tie to the science community based on my father's work. And I did not know that they did this until they forwarded an editor's response um, with interest. And I saw in the email chain that they had sent my father's obituary. And I, oh, I'm not going to try not to cry. I was devastated devastated because the idea that I could potentially profit off of something like that was, or I wanted to walk away at that point in time, I wanted to walk away. And, um, and, and I, I looked back and I realized that, that we had the offer from sleeping bear before any of that happened. And so, um, to know that they wanted the book before that, and that they were into it before that, I was like, that's the offer. That's what we're taking. And then I left my agent. <laughs> so I signed the contract and left my agent. That was a, a, a big deal breaker for me. And, um, and then I was, and then working with Sleeping Bear, they were such a dream. They were, a, they made it all better. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it was, it was especially, you know, hit home because this was a book that, you know, had the, the interest was sparked because of my dad, you know, and all of that. So it was a whole, a whole lot of, of emotions and feelings. Um, that was almost going to be my only book. Um, I, I didn't know how I was going to write again or pursue publishing again after that. Um, but Sleeping Bear and working with Sarah Rocket, um, they just did, they were wonderful. It was a really dark time and uh, for me, and they were such a, a beacon of light. And the book came out in a way that I could never have envisioned it. You know, Kayla did such a phenomenal job with the illustrations. And then on top of that, to have it received the way that it was and, and still is, um, I, I can't, like, I can't even put into words. It means a lot. Um, it, 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 it really does. Yeah. So um, the book came out. It garnered awards and accolades. Um, and then you succeeded in selling more and more books. Are you agented today? I am agented again. You have yes. to be agented again. <laughs> you're you're doing so uh, well. Oh so my who's gosh, re who, who's representing you now, Sophia? Um, so now I am. So I, I, I stopped for a long I did. I did end up stopping for a while. Um and then I, about a, almost a year later, um, applied to the Rutgers um, RUCCL conference, the writers conference. And, um, and I had applied a few years prior, twice, and been rejected, not accepted to the conference. So I applied this time um, and with my uh, manuscript, uh, Jack Horner, Dinosaur Hunter, and was accepted. And that year, I, um, so that was, I think October was when the conference was. So it had been a, a year and I was partnered with Liza Fleisig, uh, Fleisig from Liza Royce agency. 
And she was my mentor at the conference and she was so awesome. And she loved my book and I showed her a couple other manuscripts and she was great and excited about them. And I loved her energy. Um, and I came home from that conference and I made a couple changes that she'd suggested. And then I properly queried her and we were signed together like a month later. So, um, yeah. Yes. And I'm still with her today. So it's been a, been a few years now. That's wonderful. Years, um, That's and wonderful. she's been great. Yeah. So she's represented me for our, all the, all the books since. That's terrific. So, so now we're going to segue from, from the serious funny Sophia, but the serious <laughs> one who writes uh, biographies and, uh, and history books to the yes. Sophia who writes a um, whimsical, hysterical, flippant, uh, <laughs> Lovely a picture book in 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 rhyme. Yes, uh, and I'm referring to Bug on the Rug. Bug uh, on the Rug, from, which uh, which is also from last year, uh, and I'm sure yes. you have that handy. I do. So this is Bug on the Rug, and this is, um, this is the, the light side of Sophia. This is the light side of Sophia. So funny enough, can, can, can humans... you read a bit? Of, can you read a little bit of this uh, book? I sure sure in the bug in the bug in the rug in the mug in the bug. I can only read a part of it. Um, but yes, bug on the rug, and um, and Susan Batori did a fabulous job of illustrating. I've been very fortunate to work with some killer illustrators that I am I love. I'm very excited. So this is a uh, pug, pug on a rug, cozy and snug. He's a rug loving pug. When along comes, bug. Looking real smug. Bug on the rug, right next to Pug. Bug takes over the rug. <gasps> gobble, gobble. Glug, glug. <laughs> and so then it kind of goes on from there. And uh, Pug and Bug have this sort of uh, Pug and Bug and, and Slug. And Slug and a couple interesting characters pop up. Um, and they sort of battle over this rug. And um, and ultimately, it's a it's a story of mistakes and um, friendship. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because people have many different sides to them, myself included. <laughs> so I think my very first manuscript that I wrote for children was a sweet rhyming bedtime story. So I have loved rhyme um, forever and ever. I used to write poetry many a year ago. Um, and I love humor. Uh, it just so happened that my first books were a more serious nonfiction biographies. It's, but I had been writing both, so, you know, all Sophia, the do you think that like becoming a better known and famous uh, with your early work enabled you to be, I don't know what the word is, flamboyant, frivolous, funny. Oh my goodness, you know, so many all alliterations so here. Frivolous, so flamboyant, and fun. <laughs> I love it. Um, here's my thoughts on this. Um, no, um, no. It, I, I think that I, I, and I know many very successful authors who work with agents or um, editors who sort of put them in a box. You know, this is what is successful. This is your brand. Now, having come from the photo industry and having a business degree, I completely understand branding. 
I do. And it's really easy. You look at somebody like um, Rick Riordan and you know what kind of books they're going to put out. You look at, you know, somebody else and you know what kind of books they're going to put out. Um, that's just how it is. My husband, when I met him, was a professional photographer and his portfolio always had to be very consistent and he could only book jobs that looked visually like his portfolio. It's branding, it's marketing. I get it. Um, it's not what I wanted to do or how I wanted to be. And I am very fortunate that my agent could look at my stories for what they were and not say to me, this is the type of author you are. This is what we're going to sell. Um, she looked at stories and she was able to say, you know what, we could possibly go here with this one. We could possibly go here with that one. Um, let's just see. Let's, if you love it, then, then I will too. And I think that has been vital for me. And on top of that, you know, to then work with editors who are also willing to not put me in the box, you know, Sleeping Bear Press um, published The Boy Who Grew a Forest. And they could have said at that moment, that's all we want from Sophia are books like this. But they also published Bug on the Rug. So, I mean, exactly. They're, they're, Two different books, but my editor and I worked with the same editor and the same team and they they've been fine. They're excited about it just as much as I am. So I is it is it more difficult maybe to, um, you know, not fully build, you know, a, a, a one type of foundation, possibly, but I think that you can do it as long as you're willing to you know, find the people who are willing to do it with you. You're you're doing it. <laughs> you know, the other thing is, is I was told early on that if you start with nonfiction, you'd be put into a nonfiction box. Um, and I told, I was very clear with my agent from the beginning, I am a fiction author also, and it is important to me that we do this. And so again, you just have to be firm with what you want and consistent and, and find the people around you who are willing to um, work with you in that. Okay. Look, personally, like you're, you're saying all the things that I believe in um, because, and, and also you've, you've written that it's all about the story at the end of the day. You look for the story, whether the story is true or made up, who cares if it's a good story? 100% yes. Um, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. You know, anybody who wants to write for picture books, middle grade, adult, YA, nonfiction, fiction, whatever, you have to have a good story. So it doesn't matter, you know, what you're writing what matters is how you write it and in my opinion <laughs> okay and uh, what are your best uh, tips for aspiring uh, authors oh gosh there are so many um you know i could say things like don't give up uh but that's you know kind of a given and it's it's hard not to sometimes um I would say one of my biggest tips and things that I've learned is to give yourself some grace and, and it's actually okay to give up every now and then, you know, I've done that taken a year off. Um, you know, I I've given myself time and, and taken the time. Um, sometimes that is exactly what is needed. Um, it's okay to walk away. It really is. I, I think that if you're a writer, you're going to be a writer, whether you're writing right now or five years ago or five years from now. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think giving yourself grace is, is definitely one of my biggest tips. Um, and the other one is just the constant learning. It is, it is constant, constant learning, um, constant feedback, 
always listening, just being open, um, always trying to, to better yourself um, with your craft and, and also knowing that this is a business, even though it's an art-based business, it is still a business and um, you know, you have to be, to be business savvy in that sense as well. Okay. Um, so here's the, the thing that we always stress. You need this, the fortune uh, of, of your, your friend in this uh, breastfeeding group. But <laughs> if, if you go to enough so-called breastfeeding groups and you say, I'm a writer, somebody will say, hey, I have a sister, I have a brother, show me your stuff, I'm an editor or whatever. Somebody will say, I mean, if you look back at what I did, I was blogging, I was blogging for strollers. Um, you know, and then I was, I was writing this and I was writing that you just, it's a constant self evolution and journey and you never know what door will open. But again, if you don't try to open doors, then none of them will open. So you really do have to, to put yourself out there to take yourself serious and to put yourself out there. Sophia, we're, we're near the end of our, of our show (laughs) amazingly, because these 45 minutes just Blue by. Um, <laughs> so so uh, there's something that's bugged me since the beginning. And, and that is you said that you're a control freak. <laughs> and and yet, and yet. Um, I just had a book come out with the most marvelous illustrations. But mm-hmm. you know that as writers uh, with publishing houses, you, you don't pick the illustrations and you don't pick the illustrator. And no. you know, at some stages, surprise, surprise, here is your book. And the illustrations right. are just as much in the in the mix as the writing, probably 100%. more so. Yes. So how do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that <laughs> giving your baby up for adoption before it's born? You know, I um I think luck of the draw. I've been very fortunate. I do know some authors who absolutely hate their the illustrations or what's gone on with the book. I I do know personally. I've I've seen it and talked to them and um and they're at that point in time they're like how am I going to promote this? This isn't even what I, you know, but they're at, at at points it's just there's nothing you can do about it. Um This is the first time I'm hearing this. This is really oy vey. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely a thing that has happened. Um, I've been really fortunate to work with, um, at at presses that have allowed me to see sketches. Uh, do I have, or, or even like, you know, given me a list of illustrators and been like, this is sort of what we're looking at, you know, do you have preferences? And, you know, of course I will always defer to them because it's, it's up to them, but I am not afraid to, to vocalize my opinions. So I will say, you know, I'm not, not in love with that. Um, but you know, I mean, I defer to you guys, but just so you know, it's on the record. Like I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, you know, again, if there's anything I've learned, it's that you got to speak up. You, you gotta, to be, put yourself out there. You've what's going to happen. What's the worst that's going to happen. They're going to do what they want anyway. Um, you know, it's a business is a business and, and I, I will treat it as such, but also, you know, I mean, I will, I will be verbal about it. Um, no, I've been very fortunate to work with, um, publishers who've allowed me to be part of that journey. Um, at some point in time, you just have to give it up and, and allow that there's trust. Um, it really helps. And I know I'm sure everybody's heard this before, if you're writing, to have other projects in the works, because as somebody with OCD, 
if I have just one project to fixate on, I will fixate on it until um, my eyeballs fell out of my head. Like there's, there's, so I have to be able to step away and fixate on something else. I have to have multiple. This is also a good advice. Have a little OCD, but not too much. Find find balance with your OCD if you can. (laughs) Very difficult. I know, I know. It might be O, the C, and the D. Um, (laughs) That's wonderful. And 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 this has been like um, usually I have to ask questions, but you're so uh, you you you're, you're you're able to to speak so freely. Um, I feel uh-huh. that I was just like sitting and enjoying this the whole time. Yeah, this is uh, great. <laughs> but but um, so so my last question, Sophia, will be: What didn't I ask you? <laughs> oh goodness. What did is there, you is there anything you're waiting for me to ask and I did not? Uh, um, uh, I could tell you I've got a couple new projects coming out. So sure. Bug on the it. Rug. There you go. Bug on the Rug will have Bear at the Fair, which will come out um, in August of 24. And then I have my next nonfiction, which is going to be a lyrical, serious book. <laughs> so that's called Swish, The Wonders of the Wind. Um, and yes. that will come out, I believe, in 25. With, with the Hachette Group. Um, no, Swish is going to be with um, Raycraft, which ah, okay. I'm very excited about. They've been putting out some really beautiful books. So I'm excited Wonderful. about the illustrator for that one is, oh, she's she's awesome. Um, so I'm very excited for both of those books. And then I've got a few more books in the works so that I can't mm-hmm. can't discuss yet. But Okay, but, but in a year or two, I'm going to want to interview you again. In a year or two, I would love to have another conversation. Absolutely. And um, it was really marvelous speaking to you. And I'm, I'm really delighted we solved all of our technical glitches at the beginning. Yes, me too. Me too. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And um, so this is Mel Rosenberg here. My name I do remember. I am the host. Now it gets complicated. The host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And I've been speaking to this wonderful author. Sophia Goals about her marvelous career uh, and uh, may you go on to greater successes. Oh, and I have like my my epilogue question. Oh, go for um, it. Thank you. Wait, what is your best book, Sophia? Oh, don't do that to me, Mel. <laughs> don't do that to me. We can cut this out of the interview. Kids what ask is your... me that in school visits. They'll ask me what my favorite book is. Oh, it's No, so no, what is your best book, not your favorite? Best. You, you um, might say that your best, your favorite is your first because it catapulted you to, to stardom. But um, I'm going to say, what is your best? I have a book. I have a book coming out that has not been announced. Um, contract signed. It's going to be with Sleeping Bear again. It's a fiction book. It's a story that has taken years to evolve. Years. And I would love to talk to you about that one because, I mean, talk about a journey. Um, I think that's probably the best so far. Okay, yeah. so um, please give me a call when it's coming out. <laughs> I, I, I hope I hope I'll still be interviewing wonderful authors like you. And um, <laughs> this was, I, I guess that you would say that my best book is the one that I'm writing now. That's what everybody says. You know what? That's what authors. That's what authors are told they should say. Uh, that's really? It's true. That's <laughs> not always true. Um, no, I, I I think for me it's this. It's not. A, it maybe other people won't think it's the best by any means, but for mm-hmm. me, 
it's the story that has taken the most blood, sweat, and tears um, to really turn, that made me really feel like a writer. You know, all of my books wow. have made me feel like that, but this one has really, you know, uh, it, I, I, I had to take it to Mordor and back. <laughs> so it's been quite a journey. <laughs> so we'll look forward to hearing about that one. In the meantime, we've been talking to you about two of your very recent books, uh, which are very different, and each one is very lovable. Uh, so on, we have The Bug on the Rug, which is Sleeping Bear, and we have... A History of Toilet Paper and Other Potty Tools, which is Running Press. And to, and to cite Madagascar, who wipes? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Mel. This Wonderful, Sophia. It was great. I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this ending out. No, I'm not really. I just say that. <laughs> Bye, dear. It was fun. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.